everybody, how's it hanging? You're listening to episode 64 of Power 5 Sports Podcast. You already know who it is. I'm Jake Gorwitz, and sitting to my left here in the studio is Alex Maxwell. It's Sunday, January 27th, and you all know what that means. We are exactly one week away from Super Bowl 53. The stage is set. The New England Patriots versus the Los Angeles Rams at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. For all the marbles, let's go! Later in the show, we'll give you an in-depth preview of the game with keys to victory for both sides, X-Factors, matchups to keep an eye on, and more. But before we can even get to that action, we have to take a look at the conference championship games, because those were epic. Alex, it's been roughly two weeks since we last came on air. How have you been? I've been doing good. I've been watching tremendous football as we just watched the NFC and the AFC Championship games. We're going to dive into that in a minute. But yeah, I've been chilling, watching football, and I'm excited for this coming Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, and we got a great one on our hands. So let's get into it. Well, I think we first have to take a look at how each team got to this point. The Los Angeles Rams just took down the New Orleans Saints in an absolute thriller. A controversial thriller. Uh, There's no doubt about that. To say the least, it was controversial. I think Greg Zerloin's kick is just going to be forgotten. How about the boot on that man? two. One to tie, and then a 57-yarder to shut it down. But it's all forgotten because the lack, or the no-call, you know, it was just so... Let's just let's start off with that. The Rams versus Saints. What a game that was back and forth. You and I both predicted that it would be a tremendous offensive high power type game. It wasn't that high scoring, but it was there was a lot of offense in it. And it was just beautiful to watch both teams you know, butt heads a little bit. And then to see it go down like that is just it's just not the way it should have gone down in any way. Because the refs were there was literally a sideline ref and an end zone ref right there. Right there. And they saw the play. It wasn't really a head-on. It wasn't a head, like, you know, like a, a bang-bang. It was a head-to-head. It was a head-to-head. So there's, there was three things wrong with it. One, it could have been called targeting. Easily. You can hear the, you know, the face mask colliding. Two, it was face guarding. You you didn't let him. You didn't you turn around. You have to turn your head. Yeah. Right. You didn't turn around, and you got to give him a chance to catch the ball. And three, it was just straight up passing interference, and the refs didn't call one of them. I I was just waiting for a flag, and the flag never came. That is the worst call I've ever seen in NFL history, hands down. I'm just gonna have. I think that and the Lions call against the Cowboys was our neck and neck for. Worst officiating games in NFL history. What do you think about that? I mean, don't get me started on the bad calls that Horrendous. have gone against the Lions. Um, as as my hometown team here, as our hometown team, mm-hmm. um, I could go on and on about the officiating that uh, have lost the Lions countless games. But um, the Rams, geez, they, you know, at the end of the day, you you have to tip your cap to both teams, but especially the Rams. They cut uh, a 13-point deficit. Obviously, the call was blown, 
but they still had to march down the field to get into field goal position and then to make a defensive stop in overtime. How about Dante Fowler Jr. Mm-hmm. coming up huge um, in overtime, really getting in getting in Drew Brees' face, mm-hmm. causing that pressure in the pocket, um, causing the pocket to collapse. So at the end of the day, the Rams did a phenomenal job, but you think about it in the grand scheme of things, if that call is made... We're seeing a Drew Brees versus Tom Brady Super Bowl right now. That's something I would love to see. And the reason why I think this call is, the argument for this call is so legitimate is because the Saints had to settle, or no, they, they, they had to settle off a field goal. They could have totally bled the clock out, right? They could have ended the, the game. They could have scored a touchdown. They could have had complete control. It would have been a first down. The game changes completely, and the Saints might not even need to go into overtime, right? It's silly. It, I think this is the most legitimate because it's so blatant how the Saints were right there, and they were inches away from scoring. They could have bled the clock out. They could have won. This is so – I feel so bad for the Saints. My because, heart breaks. Yeah, because it's such a legitimate argument, and it's not even an excuse. It's not an excuse whatsoever to say that we lost the game on officiating on because of the officials. It's I don't think it's an excuse. I think 99% of the time it's it's an excuse, but I think this is so severe that like it's the, the officials lost the game for them. They they had a chance, they had an opportunity to win and the officials just no. It's one of those situations that yes, you can say that there were a number of opportunities in the game that the Saints, you know, maybe could have run away with it or had other chances to seal the victory, but this is just, this is absurd. Mm -hmm. And my question is, and I think this is a common question around the league, I know it is for the Saints players, if you're Commissioner Goodell, what do you do in this situation? This is a tough pickle to be in, but just just a quick just throw some shade on the refs. Everybody in the world saw it. Everybody in the stadium saw it. And how can two officials standing right there hear it? it you could hear the helmet-to-helmet the helmet and see the guy's head snap back and hit his head on the turf? Are you kidding me? Everybody in the, uh, the Superdome, Mercedes-Benz Dome, saw it. Okay? Everybody saw it. All the players, all the coaches... Todd Gurley's Instagram post at the end of the game with him trading jerseys with the, the ref. I thought that was pretty... He knows it. So, how can... Nickel Roby Coleman, the, the man who committed the penalty... Admitted it. So how even can, knows it. How can the refs not see this? It, it kind of raises some flags. <laughs> no pun intended. It raises some flags on uh, whether or not it was a little paid job, a little fix in there. I don't know. I think that was shameful officiating to say the least i don't know how you can't say it i um, that's enough for me i I can't talk about it anymore well i know one conversation that will be brought up in the off-season meetings around the nfl is you have to take a look at this rule and how these situations are handled there has to be some type of replay um review that goes down that the officials meet up some review in a league office Mm -hmm. that has to take place because this is the Saints' season right here, and for Drew Brees to miss, 
out on an opportunity to get a chance mm-hmm. at another ring, to have the storyline of a Drew Brees, Tom Brady Super Bowl. And, I mean, you saw how much this meant to players like Michael Thomas and even Benjamin Watson. I'm sure all of our listeners saw Benjamin Watson's tweet um, to Commissioner Goodell. He's one of the most respected players around the league. Um, He's always up for the Humanitarian Award, and I don't even think there's anything that his tweet can do. Mm -hmm. It's just... It's shameful. It's not Goodell's fault. I, I'm not going to put him in any spotlight. I'm no, not, it's it's not his fault. Right, but I'm he not could, asking he could, He's for, been quiet. Yeah. That, that's the thing. I, I'm, I, if I was him, I would not have a replay. Because, here's the thing, the replay, I don't, it's it's too late for that. It doesn't, you mean a replay game? Re, I'm sorry, yeah, a replay game. A rematch, we should say. It shouldn't happen. You know why? Because that was such a brilliant game. And you can't remake that game. You just can't. That situation, because what if the Saints score and then the Rams go back and score again? So like, there's what if the Saints blow them out? What if the Rams blow them out? I mean, like it's both teams belonged in there, and the officials blew the game, straight up. It's not there should not be a rematch. I think it's just it's shameful to see how it went down. Bottom line, there's too many variables in a rematch game. You. Maybe the Rams come out firing on all cylinders, get an early lead. Maybe the Saints do it all over again. But either way, there's no way of telling. And obviously, you can't go back in time and just call that Mm -hmm. an interference call and, um, and move on from there. But at the same time, though, New Orleans won the coin toss and got the ball first in overtime. Yeah, the, the opportunity was there for New Orleans, and they didn't capitalize on it. And you know what? L.A. made plays when they needed to in the overtime, and that's why they're heading to the Super Bowl. So credit to them. Todd Gurley is continuing to struggle, which is something we don't say very often. Jared Goff played pretty well, but the highlight for the Rams was definitely their defense. Aaron Donald was everywhere. I think Aaron Donald, we've talked about this before, and it's been on our Instagram before. Aaron Donald is arguably the best player in the NFL, and it's clear. Game by game, watching Aaron Donald is just, it's something that's not normal. And Adamican Sue had a phenomenal game along with him. The Rams' defense really stepped up. I know for some reason I was doubting them last week. Not doubting them anymore. I think the Rams' defense is spectacular. What about the emergence of C.J. Anderson? Just... A couple weeks ago, he was out of a job. He was sitting at home on the couch. And now he steps into the biggest role of his um, of his professional football career, and he's capitalizing on every opportunity given to him. And, I mean, right now we could, we're looking at a Sony Michelle-C.J. Anderson matchup. Wow. When would we have ever guessed that? Yeah, I... I... <laughs> C.J. Anderson really stepped up. He doesn't even look like the same player he was when he was with Denver. I mean, he's just completely different. He's he's gotten bigger. It seems like uh like Mike Tolbert big. Yeah, like he is a he was not I was, even gonna hold back. He's looking like Mike Tolbert out here. Yeah, I know. Ground I, and pound. I know, like like a bowling ball kind of. Cause like when I <laughs> I remember like in Denver he was kind of a shifty, speedy kind of guy, and now I see him in LA. I'm like, is this the same guy? Cause it's 
he looks good. I mean, he looks strong. He looks fast. He runs hard. This is no knock on him. He's, he looks great. He just he just looks bigger, and that's not bad at all. It's just it's just different to see him like that. It's, it was different. I didn't I didn't really realize it. But you gotta you gotta think that the absence of Cooper Cup the rest of this year has definitely hindered Jared Goff's performance because right after Cooper Cup blew out his knee. He hasn't been the same. So will Jared Goff, you know, he's he's had his day. Of course, he's had good games since he's been gone. But I feel like if Jared Goff had Cooper Cup, his number one wide receiver, I feel like he would be different. And I feel like the offense would be as explosive as it once was. What do you think about that? That's just a quick side note. Well, this is completely unrelated. But I was just looking through um, the Drew Brees and Sean Payton playoff history. And since their pairing began in 2006, they were undefeated at home in the playoffs. They were 6-0, and and this is their first loss wow. at home in huh. the postseason. Wow. Huh. Um, I mean, that's aside from your point of Cooper Cup and the Rams' offense, but I, I just had to point it out because that's, <laughs> yeah, a, that's, that's an a unbelievable stat. stat. That is a huge stat. What are I, you thinking about Cooper Cup? I, I do agree that... Um, it definitely hasn't helped in any way um, the the Rams' offense. I think that Goff has done the best to his ability. Um, you know, really making the most out of his um, out of his weapons, what he has at his disposal. Josh Reynolds has stepped up big time. Robert Woods is, uh, I think, he's one of the better wide receivers in the league. And how about the tight end duo, Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby? Mm-hmm. And uh, Jared Goff, I mean, Sean McVay has the playbook all mapped out for Goff and um, really has it tailored for Goff's success. Yeah, I, I think that's a great way of saying things. The, the weapons that the Rams possess aren't as scary as they once were because of the loss of Cooper Cup. I think that that's just another thing you have to worry about. And if you look at Jared Goff's stats, right when Cooper Cup was injured, bam, you kind of kind of saw a little decrease in everything. And I think that's I don't I don't know. I I just don't think if if you have Cooper Cup right now against the Pats, it's a completely different game. I mean, the Rams they're running. They're like running a little more now that you know Jared Goff hasn't been doing as well. I don't know, but Todd Gurley's struck. They're just finding ways to win. Sean, credit to Sean McVay. If your quarterback hasn't been terrific, by the way, he had a great game against the Saints. Got to got to give him some credit there. But as a whole, your quarterback hasn't been terrific. Your running back starting to struggle because he's low key hurt, and you're still finding ways to win. What does that say about your coach? It says that he's a he's a genius. So. And your defense is also doing you some help by picking balls off, fumble recoveries. So that's what's going to keep L.A. in this game against the Patriots no matter what. That's just that's just how it's going to be. I don't think we'll hear much of Cooper Cup's name um, in the broadcast of the Probably Super Bowl. Not. I think that his injury actually occurred too early in the season for that to even be a thought at this point right now. Okay, okay, fair enough. Switching over to the AFC Conference Championship game, the Patriots versus the Chiefs. What a game that was. The Patriots come out on top, 
and they're going to the Super Bowl for the third year in a row. Jake, what did you see out of that AFC matchup? Tom Brady was brilliant once again. Um, Patrick Mahomes was on fire, but the Chiefs' defense couldn't... They couldn't get any cushion for the offense. It's. I think that's... Uh, that's the real headline of this game. Obviously, the third down conversions for Tom Brady, Rex Burkhead punching punching it in a few times, um, Julian Edelman, Gronkowski lining up wide, but the Chiefs' defense, I mean, you get a couple stops, and I mean you have Damian Williams at the running back position absolutely blowing up, having a career day with three touchdowns, I think it was. That's a whole new ball game. Maybe this doesn't even need to go into overtime. Actually, if the Chiefs' defense could step up, there's no way this would go into overtime. But that's the way it that's the way it went down, and Tom Brady is headed to another Super Bowl. Tom Brady is so clutch. You look at the third down conversions that they had. Kansas City, I think there's two things here. Kansas City's defense, like you said, to add on to what you said, Kansas City's defense was not good, and they were not clutch at all. They were very spotty. You know, they would look great on first and second down, third down. They would just get torched. You know, here every play they were either on or off. I mean, I don't know. They weren't consistent. I think that's the key word we got to talk about: consistency. The Kansas City Chiefs defense hasn't had that all year, and they didn't show up in the AFC Championship game. That's mostly why they are not. In the Super Bowl right now, it wasn't. It certainly wasn't because Pat Mahomes wasn't good enough. Because he truly was. Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, both had great games. Andy Reid did a great job coaching on the offensive side of the ball. But Tom Brady beats him, man. I mean, the will that this guy has to win is just—I've never seen anything like it. He's 41 years old, playing with pretty good wide receivers. Julian Edelman is elite, but like Chris Hogan is nothing special. Rex Burkhead. No, you can't tell me J- that those James White is pretty James good. James White out of the is pretty field. good. But your best wideout is Gr- are Gronk and Julian Edelman. And Gronk hasn't really been as productive. He's been a great blocker though. I was about to say that. That's that's the word around the league right now. Everybody is talking about Gronkowski's blocking ability. He I mean, do you see the gaps that he's creating in this playoffs? Mm. He's a big man, and he I'm really his his tight end ability is really on display. I mean, that guy is so strong and he is so large and the way he just moves people with no problem. The Patriots offensive line also has been terrific. There's holes left and right for James White to run up and down with. I mean, the Sonny Michelle too. Sonny Michelle as well. Yes, got to mention him. This but, is. I think this is his official coming out party. Yeah. I. Where? What a better place? You know, there isn't a better place than the Super Bowl to show your talents to the world. I mean, the Patriots are here, and there is no coincidences from the Patriots coming to the third Super Bowl straight in a row. Let's go. I mean, Tom Brady's here and not surprised to be honest his will to win like I said earlier I've never seen anything like it another note to add about the Kansas City Chiefs defense what if Tony Romo 
was calling the shots oh, on defense oh for the my Chiefs. Gosh. I, I had to bring that up. Tony Romo is, I mean, have you seen the praise that he is getting from athletes, other broadcasters, other co- color commentators, analysts? I mean, this guy knows the plays before Brady even calls it's, them. It's he knows what's coming. If you had him on the sideline, if you're the Chiefs, you are headed to Super Bowl 53. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> yeah. Tony Romo, I think, in my opinion, this is this is completely on a, on a separate topic, but if I'm an NFL team in need of a quarterback coach, I am hiring Tony Romo ASAP. You hire him as a quarterback coach now, an offensive coach, coordinator assistant right now he gets a year of experience under his belt you promote him to the offensive coordinator position and in a matter of a couple years he's a head coach in the NFL that is an extremely bold prediction but it's not unlikely whatsoever and by the way you're not the first person I've ever heard to say that Uh, Tony Romo if you don't listen to the NFL commentary put it on mute don't do it when Tony Romo is on because he, like you said, calls plays before they happen. He breaks it down. He, he Not only does he call like plays, he calls like coaching decisions. Like, oh, looks like they're going to call a timeout. Oh, they call a timeout. You know, run this play, run that play. Brady's going to fake right. He's going to go left. Play action, dump off, motion. It's everything. He's right. He's right about everything. How many times... In the AFC Championship game, did he say, watch out for Gronkowski on the top of your screen. Brady will go to him. If the safety comes down and bites, he will be going to Gronkowski on the top of your screen. Next thing you know it, a couple seconds later, Brady to Gronkowski. They connect for a 20-yard gain. Next play. Okay, Brady just called audible. They're handing it off to Michelle for a draw on the right side. It happens. That is so impressive to me. I don't know if other people have the same opinion, but that just that fascinates me. That intrigues me. Tony Romo, congratulations because you are well, just imagine if you if you did this when you were actually in the NFL. Yeah. <laughs> he might still be playing quarterback for the Cowboys. If his back wasn't so messed up, yeah, he's he's got the brains to be an NFL quarterback for sure. And guess who's calling the Super Bowl on Sunday? Tony Romo. So that's for what the, I like to hear. For the hundreds of million people tuning in, turn up your TVs because Tony Romo is a genius. I mean, that's he, a dynamic duo. Tony Romo and the Super Bowl commercials and Jim Nance. I mean, hey, that is must see TV. That is must see TV. I mean, and you get to see the Patriots again. I know you're the they're, okay, okay. They're your favorite team. Uh, excuse me. Jake is a huge anti. Patriots guy, just for everyone listening. Just wanted to throw that out there. But yes, thank you, thank Tony you Romo is the man. I don't, I don't know. I, there's just something about the way he, he just predicts everything. It's scary. Have you seen Stephen A. Smith's like spiel on it? It's Stephen A. Smith is very funny to listen to, and he he got like mad that like Tony Romo is like he's like scared like Tony Romo is gonna like hack into like everything and just I don't know. What are you thinking about the Patriots, though? What do you, what were their strongest factor, like key factors in their game they played against Kansas City? Well, I think just how they handled adversity. The will to win. You've said it multiple times. Um, 
they don't get shook in these in these scenarios. Brady with what was it? A minute 24 left in the game. They go down the field 65 yards. Burkhead gets the go ahead 4-yard touchdown with 39 seconds left in regulation. Obviously Harrison Butker and the Chiefs came down to tie it up. And then Brady wins the coin toss in overtime like he always does and <laughs> goes down the field and here they are. There's your ball game. And honestly, if you're a Patriots fan or you're not just a fan of football, um, to see Patrick Mahomes throw for 295 and three touchdowns and for him not to get a shot in overtime to make a play, just, that that's oh. my next point of conversation that we need to get into. The overtime rules of the NFL. What I think we have similar opinions on this. Um, I think that they're, without a question, both teams need to get a chance to handle the ball. It's just, I, I agree with that. It's just not fair. Patrick Mahomes, everybody knew that Kansas City was going to march down the field and score. Everybody Patri- knew. Patriots. If, if the Kansas City Chiefs oh, got, right, the, got right, a chance right. at the ball, everybody knew that they were going to score. Yes, sir. And the Pats just controlled it completely. If both teams got a chance at the ball, the Pats wouldn't their, their game plan would have changed and it's just different. They marched down that field. They converted on third downs. They got lucky at times. You got to you got to have some luck to get this far. It's like it or take it or leave it. You got to have some luck sometimes. And he threw one up to Gronk that wasn't really a great throw, but Gronk just had to grab I think it was over Eric Berry. And you know what I'm talking about that like third and fifteen, and he threw it. That was a great catch. But Tom Brady, I, I, I don't know. I just think going back to the whole question, both teams need to have the ball. They kind of already do this rule already, but it's kind of like it's kind of cheap in the NFL. Yeah, because like if you kick a field goal, then another the other team gets a chance, which is you know it's kind of it, but like. Not the, not the same. Not let, what I'm Let me lay it on the lumber here, all right? Both teams need to have the ball in the playoffs, especially in the playoffs in overtime. This is silly that we're even talking about this. Football fans around the world want to see Patrick Mahomes play football. They want to see him march down the field in overtime. I mean, and then maybe... If it and so it doesn't get into like five overtimes, go for two. If it goes into double OT, go for two. That's another thing. Go for two. I mean, there's so many ways to just settle this. It's silly. It's not fair. If you if you win a coin flip, that shouldn't be able to determine the winner of the football game, right? A coin flip shouldn't determine millions of dollars and physical pain that is occurring throughout a whole season's work is just gone because of a coin flip for the Chiefs. Literally. You're in the conference championship. Obviously, both teams are going to have big-time players that are going to step up in big-time moments. It's not like these guys are just JUCO football players that, you know, are going into overtime. No, this is the AFC championship game, and I think in the near future, if this rule stays how it is, we'll see teams accept and want to receive the ball 
initially after the first coin toss at the beginning of the game because we saw Andy Reid and the Chiefs defer after winning the first coin toss in this game and that I mean that could be the difference maker you you get an opening touchdown and obviously there's four quarters of football to be played but maybe that that extra touchdown at the beginning of the game is uh is the difference maker right like I said it changes your game plan it does like it or, you know believe it or not it does little things like this change the outcomes of games all the time they change game plans they're X factors whether you like it or not and I think this is something that needs to be changed in the NFL and I think it's something that will be changed one day college rules are brilliant and it's not like it's it, so it doesn't go into five overtimes. Just go for two and double OT. That'll solve. Or you can make it a rule that you have to go for just two. straight up. Yeah. Both teams have to have to have possession. I mean, Pat Mahomes and with the ball in his hand, AFC Championship. You got to see it. Prime time. It's it's silly. It's silly that we're even talking about this, and it's not fair. It's 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 not fair because Kansas City's defense had holes in that secondary, and the Patriots were just plucking away at it, and Patrick Mahomes couldn't do anything about it. It's not fair. That's that's just how I'm feeling. I'm, I know you're on the same page. I couldn't agree more. We're definitely on the same page in terms of the overtime rules. But how about we shift gears to the Super Bowl and continue with the Patriots themselves? Let's take a look at the X factors for the Patriots, what they need to do in order to win the game, what the Rams could do to stop the Patriots from winning another Super Bowl. Let's hop right into it. So they're going to have to rely on Tom Brady. Tom Brady is the leader of this team. He is the heartbeat. Everything relies about him, around him, and he is the guy. He's going to have to kind of rub his poise and his calmness on guys that, you know, might be inexperienced, but there's not many of them because the Patriots are in here in the Super Bowl every year, so that's not really a factor. They're going to have to, Gronk is going to have to step up. Julian Edelman is going to have to step up. The offensive line has to be solid. And I think most importantly, James White was Super Bowl MVP a few years ago. Let's not forget, right? James White was the man in that Super Bowl a few years ago against the Falcons. So, to have a good run game is going to be key. And like you said, Jake, I'm going to have to agree with you. I think this is going to be Sony Michel's coming out party to the NFL world. He already is a solid running back, but I mean, like, propelling yourself on another level, on another platform. I think this is what Sony Michel is going to do. I think the offensive line is going to be there. I think they're going to be solid. Tom Brady is going to be solid. Julian Edelman, Gronk, they're going to be there. But the guy I'm really looking forward to seeing is Sonny Michelle and James White. I want to see the 1-2 combo. I want to see the Patriots implement that run game. I want to see them ground and pound against Nam Kinsu and Aaron Donald because I want to see it. I want to see if you establish your run game on the for an offense, that is a beating for the defense to take, and who knows if the Rams will be able to take it. We'll see. That's a perfect lead-in to my first point about the Patriots, 
with the running attack and the matchup against Aaron Donald and Nadam Kangsu. The Patriots offensive line, the interior, you have Joe Thune, the center, David Andrews, and Shaq Mason at the right guard position. Those guys need to stand strong. They need to give it everything that they have. They need to empty the tank in this game if the Patriots want to even touch Aaron Donald because you already know. In the offseason, this guy trains with knives. <laughs> okay? You think he's scared of Shaq Mason and David Andrews blocking him? <laughs> no. Hardly. Aaron Donald will be coming the... I mean, I would not want to get in front of him. Yeah, I, he's he, he's a perfect physical specimen for a defensive lineman. I mean, so yeah, obviously the Rams are going to attack and kind of form their defense around Tom Brady. They're going to try to stop him at every corner, and obviously that's like the highlight of the Patriots' offense. But when a team establishes the, the run game, that is so hard to beat a team when they just get those third and four type plays, the third and two, when you really need it, and they just run it up the middle. That is just deflating. That is, it's just, it wears you down mentally and physically. And it's like, man, we can't stop these guys. And then, boom, you do a play action, opens up the pass game, 20 yards to Gronk. So that's what the run game does. It opens up the play action, and that's not something that the Pats always do. The versatility that Sony Michelle and James White bring to the table in this specific game will be probably the most noteworthy conversation of the entire Super Bowl because here's something that you don't hear every day. In every game that the Patriots have a player rush for more than 100 yards since the Belichick-Brady era began. They're 11-0 in the postseason and 51-1 in the regular season. That just goes to show that if the Patriots dominate the trenches in this game, they will beat the Rams. Mm-hmm. Because they get going early, they go 100-plus yards on the, on the ground, and the, the numbers show. Let's not forget what we said last week. The Rams have one of the worst statistically run defenses in the NFL. Which is so hard to believe. With with two great guys like Aaron Donald and Adam Kinsu, it's just hard Michael to believe. Michael Brockers as well. Corey Littleton. Mm-hmm. Guys it's, that just clog up the middle. It's it's so hard to believe that their run defense is at the bottom. It doesn't seem to add up. And you and I both have the same opinions and the same views. We both think for the Patriots to really dominate this game, it's going to come on the ground, not in the air. Because Tom Brady's talent is already there. We already know. it's It's been there. We've seen it. Five rings. Yeah, we get it. Enough. But if Bill Belichick decides to switch it up a little bit and ground and pound with James White and Sonny Michelle, throw him a little curveball, that's something that's very important as well. Also, not to mention that James White caught 15 receptions in the divisional game against the Chargers. So if you get Sonny Michel rolling early, he's wheeling and dealing on the ground, and then you toss it out to James White in the flat, I mean, it, there's just so many possibilities, and 
at that point, it's too unpredictable for the Rams to even have a chance at guessing what's coming at them. It opens up a lot more than you know. What about moving on to the Rams? What are we thinking for them? There's a lot of things. The Rams started off blazing hot. Their record was 13-3. and They were number one in the NFC West. But it seemed like they kind of dropped off. Like I said last week, they kind of dropped off a little bit. But they still... They didn't move. They didn't lose a step as they beat the Saints. Like it, like it or not, they did. Cover your ears, New Orleans fans. I mean, you're not in the Super Bowl right now, and it's it, it's tough to it's tough to hear that. I know, but Sean McVay is proven to be an NFL guru, and look where they are. They're in Atlanta right now, and Brandon Cooks. This this is a name to watch out for in the Super Bowl. Mm. Brandon Cooks. Remember, he actually came to L.A. from New England. Yeah, yeah. And I think he is going to torch the New England secondary. The Patriots ran quite a bit of man coverage in the regular season, actually the highest percentage in the NFL. And when you have speedy guys like Brandon Cooks and Robert Woods out on the perimeter, uh, make sure that you keep an eye on them. And uh, Stephon Gilmore... The Patriots cornerback, I think he'll struggle against Brandon Cooks. Mm. Maybe he'll have his number early on in the game, but Cooks' speed will tire Gilmore out. That's very interesting. I think, like I said with the Patriots, for the Rams, Todd Gurley's got to just be overall so much better than he has well, been. He's got to be healthy. He's got to be healthy. That That's the big thing. That's Right, that's a very fair point. He hasn't been 100%, and he will not be 100%. Going in to the Super Bowl, which is something that is enormous for the Rams. You got to have a full Todd Gurley, and you're probably not going to, so that's kind of a, a disadvantage. But Todd Gurley dropped passes that were right in his bread basket. He didn't look like he was the same. He wasn't as fast. His cuts weren't there. It seemed like he wasn't the same guy at times. I mean, yeah, you could say it's on injuries, but when a guy drops a screen pass, that is just a lob right to him, and he has 20 yards staring him in the face, and he drops it. That doesn't look like an injury to me. It looks like a little bit of a lack, you know, a little bit less confidence. Something's in his head. There's just things that just add up that kind of trigger, trigger, you know, bad thoughts or, I don't know, it's distractions. Do you think this is a lack of experience? I'm not going to full-on say that Todd Gurley is completely lacking experience in this situation because he's ha- because he has played in big games in his life before but none to this magnitude of course but I think like you said it's injuries and something's the the the, the lack of confidence like oh well, I'm injured I'm not 100% am I the sa- am I still the same me could it be CJ Anderson and how he's playing so well yeah. it you know it's it's like maybe I'm not that man anymore. Like maybe it's like, it's maybe it's that like the confidence of, or the doubts of being injured. I think that's it. The doubts of being injured, are kind of swarming him a little bit. I th- I think just based on what we've seen, he just isn't the same guy whatsoever. I think he's doubtful in himself. I think he's doubting himself when he shouldn't be. I've never really, thought of, Todd Gurley as a guy with a big ego. And I'm not sure if this is the right way to put it, but do you think that his ego is 
really taking him, over. Yeah, might be. I don't know. I mean, he's he's an MVP caliber player. He's making he's, twenty million as a running back. Exactly. Nobody does that. So, I think that's a tremendous point you just brought up. Because you have C.J. Anderson. We said it before. This guy was sitting on the couch at home a couple weeks ago, and he comes in and he's playing so well Better at this Todd time Gurley. of the season. Mm-hmm. Is that obviously this isn't a shot at Todd Gurley? If enemy, if you're no, the Rams no. front office, you you need an extra body, and if C.J. Anderson is gonna step in and fill that role and really play the way that he's been playing. You can't take that away from him, but Todd Gurley, there's got to be, um, there's a missing piece to Todd Gurley's puzzle, and if he can find that, uh, if he can find that piece, then Todd Gurley is poised for a big Super Bowl. And back to the point of overall lack of experience, Brandon Cooks and Akib Talib are the only players with Super Bowl experience on the Rams roster. I think that will speak volumes, and we will see that come into effect maybe early on in the Super Bowl because no matter how long you've been playing at whatever level you've been playing at, the jitters are going to get to you. 100%. Couldn't agree more. The Patriots, did you see that stat? It was like 36 guys on the roster for the Patriots have been in an AFC Championship game, and the Patriots have won an pretty much all their AFC championship games in the in the recent years and that translates to the Super Bowl so experience is definitely in the hands of the Patriots in this matchup head to head especially from the coaching standpoint as well you can't forget about that Bill Belichick has been here too many times to count I mean the dude is the best coach ever we're not going to get into that right now but Todd Gurley getting back to Todd Gurley He's in a funk right now, and he's got to get out of it, man, because they, man, do they need him. And Jared Goff relies on Todd Gurley. The entire team relies on, the entire offense relies on Todd Gurley. And the the game plan, the coach, everything does. So Todd Gurley's got to snap out of it. Well, just like how we were talking about the running attack for the Patriots and how that opens up the various possibilities in Tom Brady's offense, the same goes for Todd Gurley and the Rams' offensive scheme. Going into the NFC title game, Goff threw, uh, went went for more play-action passing attempts than anybody else in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And against the Saints, he went 10 for 12 for a touchdown and 108 yards just on play-action plays. If Todd Gurley is uh, a non-factor in this game then this becomes a very predictable matchup. And in the Super Bowl, you have to be coming from all angles and pulling out plays from your playbook that other teams have not seen before that they don't have film on. A.K.A. the Philly Special, what the Eagles did last year. That was a brilliant job of coming at you at all angles, literally. An example of where this might come into play for the Los Angeles Rams. The punter, Johnny Hecker. Oh, yeah. He has quite an arm on him. We've seen it in a couple Mm -hmm. trick plays that the Rams have drawn up. I think he threw for a first down against the Saints. And I would not be surprised if the Rams, if they're in a pickle, they might turn to Johnny Hecker 
to try to make something happen. What did the Saints do against the Colts in that Super Bowl? They kicked an onside kick going in, going, coming out of halftime. you got to be unpredictable. And Sean McVay has his wild card all the time, and he is very unpredictable. He's young. Sean McVay knows what he's doing, man. I, I, you got to give him credit. So, yeah, I think that's a, I think that's another thing you got to look out for is being unpredictable, trick plays, little things like that that could swing a whole ball game. Little things like that go a long way, and especially in big games with this magnitude like the Super Bowl. Attention to detail. That's that, right. That that's what it'll come down to. It all adds honestly. up. It all adds up. That's what I gotta say. So let's get into it. Head to head, what are we thinking? I think if we're looking at the Patriots offense versus the Rams defense, we're gonna break it down head to head matchups that we need to be aware of. Rob Gronkowski against the Rams defense. If he gets matched up against the Rams linebackers, Corey Littleton and Mark Barron, who are quite undersized, I think he will win that head-to-head matchup. Obviously, we talked about his blocking. But, if he has the size advantage against the Rams linebackers, they could be in for a long day. Yeah, I I think also you got to look at the quickness and agility of Julian Edelman, how they use him, how Aqib Talib adjusts to that, how James White is going to be used in the backfield. You know, there's a lot of X factors. What they'll do with Chris Hogan, you know, there's a lot of guys. Julian Edelman is the guy that you got to have your eye on, though. That's the guy for the Patriots. That's the guy on offense. Gronk hasn't had that great of a year and Julian Edelman is healthy right now. He's the guy that you want to look out for if you're the Rams. And Tom Brady is going to look to him. That's his go-to guy. He doesn't run a lot of vertical routes. He's more of like a, a he, 15. He's that east to west player. Exactly. He'll run like a 15-yard in a 10-yard post. He's very reliable. He's very quick. He's got great hands. He's had. He's, he's got experience. So Julian Edelman is... My offensive X-Factor in the passing game. And then the overall X-Factor from the Patriots is, like I said earlier, like you said earlier, it's the run game. you gotta, you got to ground and pound, man. I know you got Tom Brady, but don't get greedy with Tom Brady. Use your run game. How about Sean McVay playing Julian Edelman in college? Oh, my gosh. Kent State versus Miami of Ohio. That was weird, man. That that, was... That's just odd to think about. The 32-year-old Sean McVay playing football against Julian Edelman. That's weird. And to see them both, oh, it's like Sean McVay could be in pads right now. It's weird. I couldn't even picture that. Oh, that would look weird. But what are, you, what are your X factors? Well, I think how we were talking earlier about players that you don't automatically think of in terms of the their playmaking abilities, but this attention to detail... James Devlin, the fullback for the Patriots. He's known as one of the best lead blockers in all of football. I think he might play a factor in this game. I think that... uh, So, Wade Phillips is the Rams' defensive coordinator, right? Historically, every team likes to go to this this two-back set 
against his defenses, and I think James Devlin might be utilized in this scheme, and I would not be surprised if we see him go out and uh, take the Rams' defense for a loop. Yeah, I I think that's, like you said, attention to detail is things that you got to look out for in a key game like this. They're not. There's no more games left, guys. This is it. You're playing for all the marbles. Why not bring out everything you got? All the tricks out of the bag. Why not? I have to pose one more question. And I realize we might be getting ahead of ourselves here. We might be jumping the gun a little bit. But I think this is a question worth bringing up. If the Patriots win the Super Bowl, is this the end of the dynasty in Foxborough? Will Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, Gronkowski, will they all retire? Oh, that's a that's a really legitimate question. I mean, Tom Brady is right currently 41 right now. And if he wins the Super Bowl, he is going to get his sixth ring. What more does he need to prove? Gronk, it's been well stated and documented that Gronk is leaving when Tom leaves. Gronk's suffered plenty of injuries in his career. He also has his fair share of rings. What more does he need? Belichick is not young either. He has nothing. The future isn't is going to be as bright as it once was in Foxborough. That's just the truth. Getting late draft picks year after year is going to add up. You saw it with the Red Wings, you know, and you see it with the Spurs now. Going to the playoffs every single year, deep into the playoffs, getting a late draft pick, it's great when you have that dynasty, but as soon as that dynasty is over, man, you're going to you're going to hit hard times. Believe it or not, the Patriots aren't going to be that great and right when Tom leaves, I mean, I mean Robert Kraft's going to leave as well. So you got to think all that little that click, that that nucleus that you've had in Foxborough forever, it's going to be gone. No, the leadership's going to be different. The it's just going to be weird, man. It, I don't also, you don't have Jimmy G anymore. No. Garoppolo you is sold. out of town. That ship sailed, so it's just going to be different. And, yeah, I, I do. I do think the Patriots, I know Tom Brady has said he wants to play till he's 45, but with a six ring, there's no, no, shut it down, Tom. You're Stay healthy. And Gronk, great career for you, man. There's no, there's no, there's literally no reason. Why not play. go out on top? Yeah. Exactly. That's what Peyton Manning did. It's the right thing to do. I think they'll do it. What about you? What's your thought? I absolutely think that they will all retire if they win the Super Bowl this year. Gronkowski has said it on multiple occasions that Brady is the only quarterback that will be throwing passes to him ever. If Brady is out, Gronkowski's out, Bill Belichick, why would he even stay? And Tom Brady... You've had a fairy tale end to your career if you go out on this Super Bowl. Just a quick side note: Gronk is 29 years old. Dan, um, I'm sorry, Julian Edelman is 32 years old, and Tom, like we said earlier, is 41 years old. So Gronk's had plenty of injuries, and he's still got let more in the tank from an age perspective, but. I think the motivation wouldn't be there without Tom Brady. And, you know, it, it just wouldn't be. I think that's a brilliant point. You know, Tom's the only guy throwing passes to him. That's not a bad guy. 
to have thrown passes to you for your career, man. I mean, why not? Why not go out on top, shut it down? I just, I just can't see it. All right. We've covered how each team got to this point. We've covered what the fans need to know heading into Super Bowl 53, what each team needs to do to come out on top, the X-Factors, the head-to-head matchups. What is your prediction? Who will win the Super Bowl next Sunday? I think this is really an interesting matchup, uh, the Patriots and the Rams. Both teams have so much talent. Uh, The Rams definitely have more talent on paper from a defensive perspective and from an offensive perspective. The Patriots aren't the most talented team ever. They aren't. A lot of people are doubting them and still are. But guess what? Tom Brady doesn't care. He's still here. Let's go. I got the Patriots winning their sixth or Tom Brady's sixth ring. He's got he's gonna be he's gonna be tied up with MJ for the rings, man. Greatest of all time. Shut it down. Tom Brady's gonna win. I'm gonna say like a thirty one to twenty four type game. The Rams go for it on a fourth down with like ten seconds left to tie it to tie it up. And they're gonna come up short. I think it's gonna be a great game. I think Tom Brady's gonna go off. I think the Rams are gonna not. I don't think they're gonna stop the run game, and I think the MVP is gonna be Sony Michelle. Mark my words, Super Bowl champions, the New England Patriots once again. That's my take. Wow. Wow. I have to disagree. I think we all saw this coming. I'm going with the Los Angeles Rams. I like the Patriots' balanced attack, but I think that Aaron Donald will provide the necessary pass rush and pressure against Tom Brady. I think the Rams' defense is better, and I think the Rams have too many playmakers on offense and that the Patriots will not be able to shut them down. I think Jared Goff and Sean McVay will have a masterpiece of a playbook and offensive scheme to really give the Patriots defense a tough time and the Rams have we've seen that they have the ability to come back from deficits small and large we just saw it last week against the Saints and I think that a big factor that we haven't mentioned yet is Michael Brockers we threw his name into the conversation earlier but if we're talking about Sony Michelle and James White breaking out for uh, for big rushing gains, you have the Kong Sue and Aaron Donald up front. But if you have James Devlin and Gronkowski creating these gaps and holes, look for Michael Brockers to close those up. The Rams will be Super Bowl champs. Todd Gurley will be special. Robert Woods and Brandon Cooks will have performances that we will remember. East Coast versus West Coast. I have the Los Angeles Rams coming out on top. LA over Boston, baby. Jared Goff is bringing it home. Sean McVay, you already know he's going to run it up on Bill Belichick and Tom Brady. I have big things on the come up for the Rams, my Super Bowl champs. Oh, get no, get out of here. I just think, I don't know, I just can't see Tom Brady's 
super competitive attitude falling. He fell last year, he's going to get back up, and he's going to go out there, and he's going to win. He's done it before, he's going to do it again, and he will do it Sunday night in Atlanta to win his sixth Super Bowl and become already the unanimous greatest athlete of all time. Good night, Jim Kite. That's all she wrote. Tom Brady, the unanimous greatest athlete of all time. Six ring. That's all she wrote. That's all I got to say. I don't want to hear it. I can't stand it. But here's one thing that we can agree on. This is going to be a nail-biter. This is going to be an all-time great. This is going to be a show. This is going to be a lot of fun to watch. It very well could come down to the end. It very well could be a shootout. Thankfully, all we have to do is sit back and watch. Yeah, that's all we have to do. Makes our lives pretty easy, but yeah, it's always fun to watch Super the Super Bowl. Even if you're not a sports fan, you're, you're going to be glued to the TV for, that, for those few hours. But yeah, thank you guys for listening to our Super Bowl podcast. Make sure to check us out on Instagram and Twitter. We post all the time polls asking for you guys' opinion. Uh, we want more fan interaction, so that's why we do that. Thank you guys for your continuous support. Make sure to check us out on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts and iTunes. Thanks for listening, guys. Till next time. Thank you for your continuous support. Once again, Jake and I just want to say thank you. Take it easy.